Welcome to Let Me Introduce Myself. My name is Sekou Lalo. And I'm Maxine Paul. And we are pulling back the layers of black male humanity to look at what's true, what's authentic, what's deep. Co-creating space for black men to explore their humanity, blackness, maleness, and everything in between to fully introduce themselves. All right. We're back wow. for another episode of Let Me Introduce Myself. Right. Been up the year, man. Yeah. A lot went on. <laughs> this is a, definitely a unique to year. To say the least. To say through the this, least. I really want to first start talking about our journey through this because this is unique, you know, just to do a podcast from us not having experience in it, much less do it in the year that we did it. <laughs> but yeah, we're going to talk about the journey that we went through in doing this yeah what came to mind when you brought that up maxine was what led up to us doing the podcast which i think mm-hmm. is really important which yeah. is we decided to do this and we went without impulses and we trusted our instincts to just go forward mm-hmm. with this and so when let me introduce myself actually lifted off the kind of the structure we needed was already in place. Mm-hmm. And I just think for me, that's a big lesson is to trust, you know, trust how you're being led. You know, for me it's being spirit led and, and just trusting, you know, my gut mm-hmm. and you, and you brought this to me, you, you brought this to me and it was very easy to say yes. And so that that's kind of how it started off. And then, man, and then the pandemic hit. Mm. Yeah. I think it's so interesting because I say, you know, there's a little bit of what what we're calling in our house patriarchal hubris. We're just like, I <laughs> think we could just do it, you know? <laughs> As men, we were just like, oh, we could just do it. We should just do this. That's right. It needs to be out in the world. But that's right. We at least stayed in our lane and explored ourselves. Is basically what we did—a journey like mm-hmm. of ourselves. And we we understand that we're standing on the shoulders of many other people that have done this work, literally getting insights from my partner every day. Like, hey, you're doing this on your podcast. How how should we do this? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. our our editor, <laughs> Nikita, like holding us down. <laughs> yeah, making sure we actually had episodes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. That's huge. So, but I think. We were feeling that like black men haven't received the opportunity to really tell their story and explain who they are, the complex human beings that they are. Yeah. And just really sharing that in a new perspective, a fresh perspective on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Another part for me is just you now what this year has been for me personally and also in relationship to the pandemics. You know, I think on a kind of meta narrative level. I mean, we, we got exposed. This country got exposed for who we are. Mm -hmm. We found out kind of where people actually are and how people actually feel at the core of their humanity. And I think that's good. (laughs) I think that's good. I mean, I don't know if I necessarily like how it happened, Mm -hmm. but I do appreciate the truth that has come out of it. 
And, uh, you know, when we're clear about where we are, then we can be clearer about where we're going because it's, it's coming from an honest place. I think it was interesting because I, what we've been saying is the U.S. is the ghetto. Like they would talk about our neighborhoods, like black neighborhoods being the ghetto. Like the U.S. is the ghetto, like is like as a country, mm. the way everything is run, is just like, this is a mess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if we're going to use that connotation to things that aren't maybe not working well or, you know, that's what we are. We are like a, a country that's not working well at all. It is broken, mm-hmm. but essentially it's been designed broken mm-hmm. in order. To, some people just wanted to like siphon off more what I've been using as I've been writing humanity from people. They're just siphoning humanity away, mm-hmm. maybe power and maybe wealth, but that's just people's humanity materialized in a way that people can use. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I would even say that we've been broken, that we've been broken for since <laughs> the inception of slavery. Mm-hmm. We've been broken, and but I think our perception in the facade was able to shield our brokenness. And now this pandemic just revealed who we've been all the time or for the last several generations or, or centuries. So we, we're, not, we're not who we think we are or how we were trying to project ourselves to be. I think it's, you know, it's interesting that a health crisis is the thing that gets it you know gets it gets the u.s as a person that doesn't always and this was a a through line for this whole series season uniquely without even trying was something or some religion in pretty much everybody's conversation there was something that touched on god religion spirituality but i say look at god (laughs) choosing a health crisis to reveal who we are and you know to have us reflect Sit down, mm-hmm. reflect on what's going on. Mm-hmm. I think Physical, that's spiritual happening. and emotional. Exactly, yeah. All, all of the above. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think that, you know, even the journey of this, you know, we started out, we were going to make a show, like a, a TV show, <laughs> a documentary. And then we were like, what's, what's the easiest, what's the minimal right. viable product? <laughs> the easiest way to do it. Keep Let's it simple. Yeah. Keep it simple. <laughs> yeah. I, I guess we started to look at, we did. We started to look at how much work it was going to be to kind of do all that extra work. And it was like, less is more. Let's just do the basic. And I think the theme to Maxine was really pace. Mm-hmm. Like we wanted to go at our own pace. Yeah. And we didn't want to feel like we were pushed or, or being well pushed to, to do more than we actually wanted to do because part of our work is to self-care and like how do we take care of ourselves and not get sucked into kind of the capitalistic model mindset where you have to produce 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 and we have to do it at a certain time and so that was a kind of an organic way of like resisting the system you know i'm glad we made that choice i'm glad we were on the same page with it made it a little bit easier and i think we both acknowledge there are a lot of rough edges to everything we've been done here Mm -hmm. but I kind of like the rough edges and I think we can improve. That's something that always can be improved upon. But I think this is an extraordinary feat that we've done in this time. And many other people are doing similar things like this during this time because we're just figuring out a way to like use our time and tell our stories and like heal ourselves. Mm -hmm. 
amid all the chaos that's going on. Yeah. And I, I think, too, maybe we need to look at what it means to improve. Because I, I think that, you know, as we move forward, whatever it's going to be in 2021, that we should continue to invite the messiness. I think that's a big lesson. I know for me is to, to hold messiness, hold mistakes, mm-hmm. hold failure, and honor that as part of who we are and not always try to cross every T and dot every I because there's beauty in the messiness. And, that's, and I think that's part of what allows our guests or gives our guests permission to fail and to, to come in and feel like, you know, I can just be myself. It's that like, we're not, yo, you, you don't have to be a certain way. Just mm-hmm. be. And the messiness is part of it. Yeah, definitely. So before I, I go into insights from the, well, let's just go insights from the guests. Like hmm. what, what kind of insights did we gather from the guests throughout this season? <laughs> you know what? I'll start with our final guests and, and maybe I can figure out a way to go backwards. But mm-hmm. one of the things that Samuel said in the final episode very early on was that he shows up who he is everywhere they, he goes. They? They. Uh, they. Right, <laughs> right. See, this yeah. is the messiness. This yeah. is the messiness. This is something I got to work with. So they made no apologies for who they are. And I appreciate that. And I think that's something that I have grown into some, but, you know, I have some ways to go with that. But I appreciate, you know, being in space with Samuel just to be reminded of that. It's a core value. It's something that makes room for freedom and liberation. It's just, just show up and be. So Samuel is one person. How about you? Yeah, definitely. We, we can go yeah backwards one by one. But I think I'm big on like things that I saw multiple times going on, like themes that I saw. And I think one theme I saw is that, you know, I, I said already, you know, some, some sort of spirituality or religion, but no matter what time in the year, and we did these all throughout 2020. The same lessons that people came up with or spoke about were true, whether it's the beginning or the end. It was the same. It was like time was stood still. It was literally time for us to like reflect on the same things and really see them, hear them, understand them, and then embody those lessons that we heard. And I mean, it may be, you know, from Emmanuel saying, who am I outside of my job and my life on a daily basis? That was like an initial lockdown feeling that a lot of people had. If you found your identity within your job or your going out or whatever you're doing on a regular basis, that's one that really hit me. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe the frustration from my brother, you know, mm-hmm. that we all feel and we, and we saw come out in this country and in this world in the mainstream uprising for black lives. Mm-hmm. So I think those are two like quick ones that I think about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and along the lines of identity too, I'm thinking about Steve Turner and, uh, you know, he talked about being the whiz kid growing up and being socially awkward. Mm-hmm. And uh, it seemed like over the course of his life, he was able to reconcile with that and be okay with who he is. And, uh, you know, 
that's a theme for black men. <laughs> we, mm-hmm. There's always some social awkwardness that we have to wrestle with, reconcile with on any given Sunday, any given day. And to be able to be okay with who we are and not apologize for it, not try to make excuses for it. And this whole idea of trying to, this goes back to your brother, like we're not trying to impress white folks or we're not trying to go out of our way to make anybody feel comfortable, but we just want to, we just want to be, and we've done enough work (laughs) in that way emotionally and just being okay with our identity, whatever that looks like and honoring the beauty of it, the beauty of our diverse culture and background and blackness and and all of that good stuff. I think another unique thing is, you know, we had people from all different ages actually on here and maybe the more seasoned folks we had on here, like Peter J. Fernandez, where, you know, they felt more certain about who they were and what they were doing or where they were in life. But I also felt like the younger folks, like my brother or Hobson, were certain in a different way. They were certain about like kind of the values or what they wanted in life. We don't really acknowledge that as like being certain Mm -hmm. because they're kind of flipping around trying to figure out things, but it's certain in just a different style. Mm -hmm. In response to that, just to go back to the more seasoned folks, if you think about talking to Bill Mm -hmm. and for him to be older but you know one of the things he said was like he's still being curious and asking questions Mm -hmm. and always looking for ways to grow and how you know it's a cycle there isn't necessarily an end game but just being open to growing in the process and so you know i'm glad we had the whole spectrum age-wise i think that's great and uh, my friend zaire (laughs) i was thinking about him the way he, he looks at the world very creatively, I think that that's something that brings really really brings people together and really touches on things people that, that people feel and they sense inside them, but don't know how to really express it. And he's really building platforms and solutions for that. And I think there are, there are many of us that are doing that, but he's working really hard to really be able to explain that and get that out there mm-hmm. in a purposeful way that empowers people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got a little bit of that from Sadi too. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, like, he seemed to thrive off of challenging times. Is like, no matter, you know, how difficult it is, innovate, you know, reimagine the world in a different way and work toward that vision. And we, it seemed like we had a decent amount of guests who had that kind of forethought, foresight to be like, yo, I can see beyond this world that we're living in Let's create something new, something different, something that represents more of us and honors the diversity of the world that we're in now. So that's great. I think Steve Vassar is trying to do, he tried to do that by bringing the DJ, the the thing that he really, that feeds his soul into his work. I just like, you know, I think one thing that hit me where he said about the Haitian revolution, that's been sticking with me, like understanding resistance and rebellion as that's the biggest one in the western world for black lives like that's the biggest one that we've had Mm. and to use that as like a point to like realize like this is this is not new but this is like where we need to draw our strength and 
inspiration from. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They did it with nothing. Like <laughs> Right, right, right. Yeah. Right. And then, you know, you have kind of on the other side of the uh, spectrum is Gabriel. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember the anxiety <laughs> about how to how to frame his episode because we wanted people to know his story and he wanted people to know his story as he was wrestling with suicide Mm -hmm. and questioning himself. And I think he had mentioned recently wrestling with suicide, not long before we even had the episode and Mm -hmm. how that's a real issue and mental health in the black community for black men is critical to begin to kind of unpack some of the things that contributed to what we go through on a day-to-day basis. So I think Gabriel, you know, Gabriel, I think his episode is really going to speak to a lot of people. And it really, you know, as a friend of mine who I knew him as a fellow actor, I didn't know, and I knew some of his story, but just hearing him talk on the show, I didn't understand how deep that issue actually was. And I think he's a brave brother, especially in the business that he's in and how, you know, you can get stigmatized if you have mental health issues. I think it's brave for him to put that out because people will embrace that and also begin maybe hopefully to take a look at themselves if those that's something that they deal with and, and get some help. And that's a big thing, I think, that between me and you, mm-hmm. we were talking about very early on, is yeah. that we have therapists and we are working on ourselves as we're doing this. We don't come to this podcast as experts. We come as humble brothers trying to work it out ourselves. Yeah. I always talk about jumping off the cliff and building the plane on the way down. Basically, what we're doing. Basically, by the end of my whole life, <laughs> I've been doing that, you know, and I think we've done that here. I think I want to I want to note on also on Mario. So Mario and Khalil, both interesting people, both from my from my time in DC. Mario, like I totally understood his like journey of becoming an adult, and I saw that when we were there uh, in DC. He did that. I did that. We were becoming adults in that city and what we we're doing. And then the hood academic. <laughs> it's so interesting because. I met him in a marriage prep class with this right. church and we connected because we were both like questioning things they were saying in the, in the class. Yeah. That's how I connected with him. But yeah, it's so interesting to hear from now. He's a social work professor and author. See the growth of people that you met before. Mm-hmm. So we covered a lot of them. I think even Brian Buck mm-hmm. and he, you know, he was, he was about to move. Wasn't he moving down to, yeah, he's, he's here. Have you talked he's to him here yet? now? That's right. No, 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 no. We haven't talked to Brian. Okay. Yeah. Well, he's in up. the ATL now mm-hmm. down here, but I uh, appreciate that brother's story and some of the, you know, some of the stuff that he was wrestling with and, yeah. and just trying to, to make something of his career and kind of, I think he was trying to, he was trying to go to the next level and trying to figure out what does that mean? Yeah, and then just getting ready for that big move of your entire life. I always lo- overlook that because I've moved so many times. Um, right. But that is, a, right? yeah, it's terrifying. It's huge. Mm-hmm. Moving your world. And then don't want to forget Andrew Wilkes. That's right. Uh, we started out with <laughs> our first one. Yeah. Intellectual, 
this brother is just really doing some great work as a pastor and mm-hmm. he's political savvy. I'm betting he's going to be in some political office someday at some point. And I think to have his views and all of the different complexity that he holds is going to be good, you know, as a representative for the people mm-hmm. <laughs> and just holding that. But, you know, I remember him riffing on, what was it? Was it Andre 3000 and mm-hmm. his whole quote about them and what he appreciates about hip hop culture was cool as well. And I think it was just cool overall. We had people from different parts of the diaspora, different parts of the country. Yeah, we had all, I said, ages. We had gender fluidity, gender. sexuality, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. And I think and we were intentional about that, too. Yeah. We, you know, going into it, and I'm glad that those voices are out there. Yeah. Because that's what we wanted to be, a broad spectrum of black Black manhood, pulling back the layers of black manhood. Yeah. Now, I want to see if there's any insights about us and our growth, you know, in this process and what we learned in this. One thing I learned is when I have a strong impulse or an emotional reaction to something somebody says, to investigate that. I don't necessarily agree with everything everybody said in every episode. Agreed. You know, I know. (laughs) I have issues with some of that, but it doesn't mean that that's not legitimate. It doesn't mean that, you know, folks don't have a right to feel the way they do and and express themselves in a certain way. And so I, I I had to check my prejudice. I had to check some of my biases. And I think it's okay to disagree. I think is is good and healthy, but I also think it's important to hear people's stories and hear where they're coming from. And so I I learned to be aware that my strong emotional reactions means that there's something there that might I might do well to investigate and ask why. So that's one of the things for me, and I'm I'm, I'm grateful for that. That's that's a place where I feel like. I have grown over the course of this year. How about you? I see that too. I think there were so many people, like there were so many things I was, I was worried about curating the right story that we wanted to portray outward. But I also got to used to like, this is going to just be a work in progress. And people are figuring out, we saw people are figuring it out as we were talking to them. And I think that was a microcosm of me, just like I was figuring it out as we were doing this. You know, as I probably say multiple times the episode, like I was an engineer. I come from engineering and math and science and everything's like very discreet and becoming and transforming into the person that's used to things just flowing as they are and writing and speaking about these things, getting used to my voice, hearing my voice. Mm-hmm. That's something I, I didn't want to hear before, but getting used to that and then writing something, explaining, really listening to somebody rather than sitting there and listening in preparation to respond or react or say something. I'm actually just there listening and just absorbing what they're saying. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I think that was a, a growth point for me. Mm-hmm. This is not profound to anything, but you know, I, I think what we did was we created a project that was meaningful to us. And I know as busy 
as I was in this pandemic that I look forward to, you know, even doing our editing sessions and doing our episodes, it was kind of like a salve for me. It fed me. And, you know, that's something that I want to make sure that I, I never get so busy that I'm not integrating the things that I love and that they are important to me. And this work is, is a continuation of my own personal life journey and work and concern and passion for and love for um, and appreciation for Black men and um, what they bring to the table. And so the podcast was just a reminder of that because it is a reflection of, of who I am. So that's another another takeaway for me. And I think the interesting thing is, especially when we started this, we're, we we both agreed we don't like small talk. Let's get down to like a real conversation. That's right. Uh, that's right. That's right. But, small talk is not bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. It's just not our proclivity. Yeah. But it ended up being like, this is how we do our small talk. This is just our version of small talk mm-hmm. is to have real conversation or a deep conversation right. to understand who we are, connect with them. And I think it, it really helped me through this, have these sessions. It's somebody else to talk to, learn about. I was just noting that typically in a year, I meet a lot of people because I'm out going to events. This year, I still met a lot of people right. <laughs> through this, you know, through meeting people online and having these interviews or just connecting people with people that I knew more deeply or I hadn't mm-hmm. talked to in a little while. Mm-hmm. And I think that was helpful and that helped me grow. Mm. Yeah, I, I would say, yeah, that's that's the good point, Maxime. That, I mean, that's that's one of the benefits of being in the pandemic is that I would not have known these people. I wouldn't have traveled <laughs> to mm-hmm. New York or California, you know, and I guess we could have done the podcast anyway, but the podcast has allowed us to go deep in relationships in a way that not even just hanging out. I don't know if that happens when you hang out, you know, when you have, mm-hmm. you know, you, you got family, you got other people around, you don't ask, you know, some of the questions that we ask, <laughs> you know, that might get people in trouble. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's not what we ask, but yeah, I'm, I'm grateful for that too. That's, that's good stuff. Yeah. So I want to really talk about what we were up against in 2020, kind of like go through a high level timeline of what was happening kind of outside. <laughs> and then we can maybe talk about a little about what we were dealing with and how we got through it. Mm-hmm. So outside, I think we started originally, our first recording was in like January. We recorded, it was just us <laughs> recording, testing things out. Did some, you know, we waited in February. Then March hits, and we're paying attention. We've seen some stuff about pandemic. It wasn't that big of a deal until March hits, and then the NBA shut down. That's what triggered That's it right. for everybody. That's right. That's right. That's right. In the U.S. This is real. The NBA <laughs> leads the U.S. So we'll just remember that. They're the ones that led the U.S. That's right. That's right. <laughs> we, probably, we, we might not have had anything for a while. It probably would have been worse. Well, wow. Had they not shut down? Yeah, had they not shut down. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Had the NBA not led and say, we're going to stop. This is a yeah. serious matter. Yeah. The way our current Agent Orange is operating, right? we would have yeah. just stayed as is. Absolutely. That was the first thing. And the death toll would be higher than it is now. Yeah. 
you know, and then we're normalizing dealing with that. We did some recordings then. Then everybody has an awakening because George Floyd is murdered. And everybody watched, a lot of people watched the video on that. Leads to not only a national, but a global uprising for Mm. black lives. Everybody was protesting. Yeah. Everybody. We had that summer of discontent amid the still raging health pandemic, global pandemic, but we wore masks <laughs> during it. Some of us, yeah. Yeah, some of us, yeah. <laughs> and then as our time and we started settling into this, we realized this is going to be a long-term thing. Yeah. You know, we had to stay inside more. We had to readjust like all of our fall, winter, and probably even mm-hmm. next year plans. Um, schools school yeah schools parenting oh yeah that's that's the next thing that hit like schools yeah reopened yeah and jobs um, i mean I, I, jobs. Yeah. yeah people lost jobs unemployment literally i technically haven't been working since the end of may so mm-hmm. just been in it like <laughs> just out here mm-hmm. um, figuring mm-hmm. it out as i go mm-hmm. these are like some of the things we went through and we were also busy like things were happening not only with ourselves, like personally with our families, handling different issues with our families. Mm-hmm. My parents, well, they had the, my grandmother passed away. Mm-hmm. And my parents went down to Dominica. And that was a whole ordeal to go down to another country. What month was that? Well, my dad's still there right now. <laughs> but they went in November. Wow. Yeah. And uh, but it's it, amazing because they're much more careful about it down there. There's not really many cases, but people are still wearing masks all the time. They're being careful. They want to live. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I remember. I remember, you know, the anxiety around going out. I mean, mm. once we found out that this thing was official, between that time and the time that. We actually left the house. I mean, we stayed, we were staying in the house all day, every day. We were like, we are not catching the COVID. Mm-hmm. And that was, you know, that was a stressful. And then I remember, you know, everybody was like, yo, let's go get all the toilet paper, tissue, you know, yeah. all the paper goods we can. And I went to Costco and the line was like, I had to leave. I actually had to leave and come back another day because the line, it must have been it must have been a couple thousand people in line. I mean, the line was around the whole store. Yeah. Uh, and that whole thing, you know, that was like, you know, happening all around the country. And then New York had like completely shut down. And yeah. they was like, you know, that's when Cuomo was like the actual president. <laughs> like, we, yeah. were, we were like watching him, you know, lead New York, and which was, you know, how the country should have been kind of led at that time but yeah we needed updates we need inf- actual information of what's literal going on. yeah yeah because i think that's the biggest thing that i realized this year is we all got to handle ourselves there's nobody watching us taking care of us or protecting us there's no there's no real government like out here for us they've never been for us especially as mm-hmm. black people black mm-hmm. men mm-hmm. we're here we got to figure it out ourselves and so we've seen a lot of mutual aid, people supporting one another, like, in any way, like, sharing what they have. Because on the other side, the wealthiest people are just gathering up 
and taking more from us while we're trying to like just live. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. 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 I mean, if it, if it was only people of color dying, I mean, <laughs> Oh yeah. It would have been a whole, yeah. Yeah. They, they, they would have just let it go. Yeah. And, you know, and, and also people, people did step up. Folks were like doing dance classes online and folks were like, offering support and there were organizations, nonprofits that were like offering relief for me as an artist. You know, people were mm-hmm. like, you know, they had artist relief all around the country and, you know, they don't have a whole lot of money, but they were doing what they can in some of the unions. And, mm-hmm. and so there were people that were st- stepping in the gap and making up for what government wasn't doing. Yeah. And, you know, I think that's important to acknowledge because we kind of saw people's hopefully that's their values mm-hmm. i know some of it you know the truth be told they're doing it because <laughs> you know it looks good but there are, there are actually some people who are doing doing it because that's part of the mission for their organization so you know that was happening too mm-hmm. and family and friends were stepping up for each other in, in, in different ways i know that was my experience yeah but uh short yeah. answer it was hard yeah, it's definitely hard. <laughs> it's a hard year. As a technologist, it forced people to get aligned. Like people that was resistant for so long. Yeah. It forced them to get aligned. But also they weren't ready to be online and didn't understand how to change the way they interact online to find some semblance of like humanity in it. We have mm-hmm. to do something differently. We have to be different mm-hmm. um, in order to engage in these different ways. Mm-hmm. You know, Maxine, this is something that you brought up and you were like doing some reading on mm-hmm. earlier on, I think is worth just touching on, which was the first pandemic mm-hmm. um, yeah. in this country. And you were kind of making some connections. What, what, are, what are some of the nuggets that you kind of pulled from that? Yeah, so the 1918 uh, pandemic after World War One, and this was the war where they, I think they let black black people in to the war, the black men fight for a country that didn't didn't love them. But they came back bringing a disease because they they, they got in the trenches, and it was similar. Like the second wave was worse. Um, not just the black, not just the black, yeah, yeah, not just the military. Black, yeah. The military, the, the entire yeah. military. Yeah. Not, not right. just black people. Yes. Everybody, <laughs> everybody came back with it. Yeah. But just like it was, it was the same way. People had fake information. They didn't want to wear masks. They just like, they didn't believe it. And they had whole celebrations and people caught it during celebrations and going out and partying. Cause they were trying to celebrate after winning the war but there was this pandemic then after the pandemic well even even during that time there was uprisings um, for black lives <laughs> there was and after it there was the 20s which was a time for like the harlem renaissance sure. black people found their sure. like spirit or they they had time to sit down think mm-hmm. and reflect and like really create art like wall street was around yep so all those things were germinating and created during those times. As I've been learning more and more, it was like a break from capitalism. Mm-hmm. Like capitalism had the pause because they're much wanted resource, the people, 
you couldn't get them out. You couldn't use them. You couldn't abuse them. Because mm-hmm. they would die. You'd have less. Mm-hmm. So, that was, I mean, that's just some of the things. But, yeah, it gave us a time to think and then create. And I think mm-hmm. that's happening right now. People are creating and creating in different ways. Mm-hmm. I know the film industry and the, like, acting community is very difficult because a lot of that you have to be together to be able to create something. Yeah. She's something live action. You have to create something, and then that's right. Um, that's right. So, I think some industries are having a harder time to adapt, mm-hmm. and some are flourishing. Mm-hmm. But that's why we all need to work together as a community and see how we can. That's right. Share. That's right. That's um, right. Because the ones the ones that are flourishing are the ones that have resources and they have property and they have infrastructure mm-hmm. to actually make things happen and can afford to do it. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Essentially, for the most part, a carbon copy to what happened in 1918. Right. The number of, you know, that's the like transmission, the way people behave. It is part of our culture that is incorrect and incompatible to this type of um, threat. Mm-hmm. It's a vulnerability. Like as we talk about cybersecurity, I always talk about that. It's a vulnerability in our system that we need mm-hmm. to alleviate. I mean, and, and the saying is that, you know, if, if you don't learn from your history, you'll repeat it. Mm-hmm. And it seems, I mean, what they didn't have, though, mm-hmm. um, back then was the technology that we had. They didn't have social media. We have so much more information and we are so more, so much more sophisticated than they were technology-wise, it seems like we should have done better. And which leaves us with leadership, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is in large part the reason I think it's as bad as it is, not to say that, you know, if somebody else was in office that we wouldn't be dealing with deaths, but I just think leadership has, is critical to what's happening right now. And, you know, who knows what this is going to be like because the cases are rising like crazy. You know, Fauci said it back then when it gets colder, it's going to get worse. And it's actually not a second wave. We are just riding one long first wave and it's hitting us hard. Yeah. I'll say, you know, I don't know this for me. I think leadership's only 30 or 40% of the problem. Mm -hmm. I think it's mostly just like our culture and indoctrination in these United States. Because we're seeing similar things in like Europe and other Western nations that like this sense of individual entitlement and then the susceptibility to information because of a lack of critical thinking or awareness or they attribute themselves more to capitalism or white supremacy or patriarchy before they attribute themselves to like, you know, kind of researching and figuring out facts or the collective. So I think those are huge things that made it much worse. And that's what, that's some things that were irrespective that why we have the same results or similar results to what happened before a hundred years ago. Because mm-hmm. you're saying people aren't taking personal responsibility and enacting measures that will keep us alive. And it, it, you're saying that not think people are not thinking for themselves. Is that what you're saying? Well, I think they're I think they're just being influenced by by things that are untrue, and they're not taking the time to figure it out if it's true or not, or be able to okay. identify. 
Mm-hmm. And it also, they only take measures to worry about themselves and protecting themselves rather than if they can protect their neighbor and their friends or their community or the nation at large or the world. Like, it's all about the Maybe. one individual, not even their family. Like, they'll let their grandparents die because they want to go to a party or mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. go to a restaurant. Right, 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 right. Let's get to a more an upswing, a positive upswing. How about that? Yeah. Um, How about that? What do we hope for next from the podcast, from as we transition, because it's the end of the 2020. What do we hope for next? Mm-hmm. I hope that we take these lessons that we just talked about, ones that we didn't mention, and integrate those into next year's episodes. And I, I think for me, I want to continue to honor our time. And I like the idea of not trying to push ourselves to produce at an unreasonable rate, but just to really honor our own time and, and kind of take care, of, take care of ourselves while we're trying to do this work. I think that's foundational to it. And, you know, the other part is I, for the podcast, I'm going to let the rest of this year marinate. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I'm going to let these stories sit with me. I'm going to just kind of try to be and and rest. And I think, I think that rest is going to yield some new vision and innovation and give us an opportunity to build on what we already have. But, and so that's kind of how I'm thinking about it. I don't want to make up anything right now because I think it'll be premature. But I do think taking what we did learn from our last season into the next, you know, to build on it. Yeah, I totally agree. I I think we just got to move as we've been moving. I think we've trusted our instincts and our instincts have led us along a pretty good path. And yeah, we need to just rest, recover, heal, and see what the next year brings us. Hoping to continue to build on this because i think within the right spaces if we build up the right infrastructure and system this is soul healing work that we're doing Mm -hmm. for us and for others out there Mm -hmm. yeah you know along the lines of the healing piece which is always something that i'm compelled by you think about being prophetic and most of the time that's that's talked about in the context of the church but just I think that this podcast is, is, has a prophetic element to it in that I think what we're talking about in the healing piece is going to be the theme going into 2021. And I'm not <laughs> casting my lots with Biden completely. Yeah. I'm not. But mm-hmm. one of the things that he said was, you know, that his administration was going to be a time of healing. That's what he said. Mm-hmm. And I think he's going to try to make good on that crime bill that he participated in in the 80s and kind of recover from that, you know, in terms of all of these black folks that um, are incarcerated right now. I think he'll try to try to make some amends for that. But I think we found out about the wounds of this country. And I think now it's time to begin to, you know, sit with that, but also find a way to begin to heal from that. But I think this year really revealed the depth of the wounds and the pain 
that's happening. And so I think this podcast is what we're talking about is what we need is basically what I'm saying. Yeah. I'm hoping for that healing. Try to, I'm trying to be optimistic, but either way, well learned this year, I'm moving how I'm moving, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's what 21 is about, is about taking all the pieces that I've assembled this year. I think I've done a lot of great work this year. I think we've all done a lot of great work, even just surviving. Yeah. And I think 2021 is about taking all those pieces and putting together what do we have next? And what are we going to do next with it? And that's all we have. And oh, yeah, I forgot to say, I want to bring back Julian's episode that's right. next year. <laughs> Sometime. That's right. I want to do Julian's episode because he was the brilliance behind the theme song that's for right. our episode. I, I wanted to make right. sure that was known. That's right. Julian Reed. Yeah, Julian Reed. <laughs> was the theme? Thank you, the theme brother. Song. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much. But yeah, that's what we have. And that's it for Let Me Introduce Myself. This is Maxine Paul. And I'm Sekou Laidlo, and we are pulling back the layers of Black manhood. Stay tuned for 2021.